Last week I started kind of a, uh, continued on with my, um, series on the book of Hebrews. We're almost done. I believe there's 13 chapters to Hebrews. We're on chapter 12. Is there 13? It's 13, right? I think. Uh, and we're in cha- Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, last week I preached out of chapter, Hebrews chapter 12, um, the beginning. And I'm going to continue on this for the next, uh, I think one more week and then we'll move on. Uh, but this is also the last sermon of, or this last service of, of service of 2021. So we made it. Everybody here made it, made it through 2021. Uh, I believe none of us, you know, had anything, you know, horrible happen. Um, I think all we had to do was we had to quarantine once because Ethan's Taekwondo people, there was a case there, but you know, everybody else is safe. Um, we, let's thank God. Thank God. 2021 is even now, it's kind of crazy out there. The numbers are just a little bit, uh, it's a little scary for us to even like, you know, take our kids outside. But, um, you know, we live in faith. We live by faith, right? Faith is not by sight. Um, you know, we live according to God's, you know, love for us. And we know that, you know, he loves us. He's for us. And no matter what, you know, no matter what happens, he's going to be with us. And so that's kind of how we're living life. And then this is the last service of 2021 and we have 2022 to look forward to. And last, um, I thought it was fitting to finish out this year talking about Hebrews 12. Last week I talked about testing and I believe that 2020 and 2021 have been years of testing for many of us, right? It has truly been a season of testing. Um, and, and that, you know, he, we know that he tests us because he loves us, that he is for us, right? And as I personally look forward to 2022, I can already see that 2022 is going to be a year of testing for me as well, right? Uh, and, and when I see that, my initial reaction is, why Lord, right? Because I can see all of these things coming in the horizon personally for myself, you know, for our family and even for our church, you know, it, Things that, that are going to happen that's going to just bring stress. It's the wind and the thing outside. Let's, let's pray that it'll stop. Okay. I don't know. That's not witchcraft. I, just, I was just messing around. Um, uh, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of things that are in the horizon for me. And it's also a chance for God to just kind of strengthen my faith. And that's what testing does. Testing strengthens our faith. Faith Testing uh, affirms and establishes us in our callings. Right? Some of you guys have callings in life and when you're tested in those callings, you know, you, that's where you become strong in your calling and, and strong in what you believe God wants to do with your life. Um, testing makes our faith become a reality. It goes from conceptual to something that we actually know, right? You know, we can, we can say that we have faith because we feel like, oh, I think I can, I can say like, oh, I think I can, you know, like jump, jump, jump across this. Because when we were kids, there was this like, we would go on the roof of my friend's house and there was this like, there's a, there's a big enough gap. I'm going on a tangent here where we can, like most people can kind of jump across and we always think like, we'd always be like, hey, I think we can do it. I think I can do it. But no, none of us really did it, right? Because we're just, it's just a little bit too far for us. But it's one thing to say that we can do it and say that we have faith and, and another thing for us to be tested in that faith. And so testing and trials and, and, and perseverance, uh, it, it affirms us uh, in, in what, uh, we we believe our faith is it go, goes from conceptual to becoming something that is re, a, a reality in our life, um, and testing makes us run to God. If you're being tested and it, it draws you away from God, you have the wrong understanding of testing because God tests us and disciplines us ultimately so that you know we run to Him. Like today, Ezra did something really bad, right? And he needed to get punished, right? He needed to get a discipline, and we give him discipline, and he cries, right? He cries like. You know, like, Ethan is, like, very, like, you know, he's very well-behaved, but Ezra can be a little bit, you know, like me. And then so he gets his, he gets, a, like, a spanking, and then he cries, but ultimately, like, he, there's this moment where you can, he wants to come to me and get a hug from me, but he doesn't think that I'm going to give it to him, but I always, like, well, come here, right? After I get the spanking, I always hug him, because I want him to know that, hey, that was done because I love you, because... Like, like, I don't want you to, you know, like, you know, do these things that's going to like bring harm to you or the harm to people around you. And so ultimately I, I give him a hug. And when he realizes that, that he's going to get a hug, he cries even more. He runs to me, right? He clings to me, right? And I believe that that's the thing about discipline is, is God 
disciplines us ultimately so that we run to Him and realize, I, I need God or else I'm not going to be able to, to endure this trial. I'm not going to be able to get past this testing that He has for me. We have to know that testing, God testing us is so that we remain in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Right? A lot of times when testing happens, we, we get all in our flesh. We get all like about our emotions and like, you know, how we feel and we get all like, rah, 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 you know, like, you know, get all like, you know, my kids already know me so well that like when we're driving and somebody like, you know, does something, um, you know, one time this lady just stopped in the middle of the street and got out of her car and ran into a penny jump in the middle of the street. And I remember I was like, how do I, like, I'm, I'm like, I'm here and I, I'm trying to drive and she just stopped. And left the car in the middle of the street, not even to the side. And then she ran back into her car. And I stuck my head out and I said, what are you doing? Like, move it all, right? And then now, Ezra, every time something happens, he's like, Dad, please don't open the window and stick your head out and say, move right? Like, he knows me, right? And it's all like, so he knows me when I'm in my flesh. That's my flesh, right? Like, I said that not because I wanted to correct her, but it was because I was in my flesh. And so... You know, like, like when testing happens, we want to not be in our, in our flesh, but we want to be in the Spirit. And the Spirit of God comes alive in us when we become saved. And the Spirit, Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us in those seasons of testing. Today I want to speak again out of Hebrews 12. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The Bible uses metaphors and symbolism that pertains to athletes and like competition a lot, right? First uh, Corinthians 9.24 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Second Timothy 4, 5, 4, 6, it says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. This is part at the end of his life. He's, he's writing this. Um, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Um, Philippians 3.13, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So we see this imagery that the writer of um, the Bible, many times in the Bible, talks about this life of faith as a race, as a competition, as and not a short race, not like a hundred meter dash, right? But or like a four hundred meter, you know, race, but a marathon, something that you're running long distances and enduring and persevering and finishing strong. And as the writer of Hebrews uses this illustration, um, a, a, a look at the Christian life, he talks about laying aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Right? Uh, there's something that's learned from the ancient world is that less is better when it comes to racing. Right? When you're running, right, less is better. Right? Um, back then, a lot of times people competed naked. Right? If you look at the first Olympic Games and but in history, long time ago, they all competed naked, right? It was just, it was just the way that they did it, right? They, were, they had no shame, right? Just, so if they ran, they ran naked. If they wrestled, they wrestled naked, because you know, because clothes back then they didn't have like, like what do we have? We had like the micro, like you know, fiber, like you know, skin things that you know make it barely feels like we have anything on. Back then, they had like linen, right? And like, like burlap and things like that to like, you can't really like compete and run and things like that. And so a lot of times they competed naked. Um, and, and any real runner will tell you that, you know, less weight, the lighter your dress, the better you're going to perform. I can't run a race with jeans on, right? 
you can try, but you might cause a fire, right? It's rubbing again. You, know? you need to you need to slim down and even weight, like bodily weight. Competitive swimmers. I had friends in high school that swam competitively in their schools. Uh, our our school didn't have a swimming pool, but I used to go to a church in LA where all these other you know high, high school kids from all around would come and they had swimming pools and they had you know swimming competition, and they would all shave their bodies, right? Like, like even their arms. I had this friend, Glenn. He was like really lanky, but he ended up being a super fast swimmer. So he was like making state and things like that. And he would come to church and his, his body would be like shaven bare. <laughs> like you look at his arm, there's no hair anywhere, right? It's because the less hair in their body is, is less drag. Right? More hair, more drag. And so whether it's clothing or like weight or any kind of resistance, less is better when it comes to like, you know, like like competing and running and, and trying to be fast. Uh, like when I was in high school, I, I wrestled in high school and I, I started out at 157. I weighed 157, 160 when I started wrestling. But when I really got really competitive my sophomore year, I dropped down to 140. Right? I almost lost 20 pounds, right? Because I, I, you learn that you, you keep all the muscle, but you lose the fat. And so you're, you're smaller, so you're wrestling smaller people but 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 when you're when you lose the weight, you're able to be stronger than your opponent, and so you you don't wrestle at the weight that you're at. You wrestle, you compete, you put your name down for 145, 150, and you shrink your weight. You like you know, you lose weight so that you can compete at a lower level. Now the writer of Hebrews talks about the race that we're on, and he brings us into this imagery of athletes laying down weight and dropping weight to be faster, to be leaner, to be able to go longer. Um, finish strong. It says, lay, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Right? We want, you want, like the Bible is telling us, we want, we need to run, but if we're going to run well, we need to drop some weight. Right? Me, literally, but you know, him, he's talking about figuratively. We need to remove things in our lives that, that causes us from really Keeping Christ at the center of our lives, right? If we want to keep Christ at the center of our lives and, 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 and run this, this race, we need to, to get rid of the things that keep us from keeping Christ at the center of our lives. Now, I want to point something out here. The writer differentiates between weight and sin, right? It says, let us lay aside, also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely because there are sins that will keep us from following God. These are like the blatant, obvious stuff that we are, we all know. Mina talked about it earlier, like, you know, Asian people, we're all, you know, we get stuck on shame and sin, right? Because it's just kind of the way that we, we, we grew up, you know, when we're through with our parents. But, you know, there's the blatant sin, you know, there's, there's just, you know, like sins that we commit on a daily basis or even secret sins or sins that we may have that's going to keep us from following Jesus and on the right path of finishing this race. But there are also things in our lives, things that cling to us, right, that aren't necessarily sin, but can also hinder us from following Christ, hinder us from running this race well, right? And there is significance in why this writer of Hebrews differentiates between sin and weight, right? Because sin is blatant, like, like, you know, like holding on to weight, you know, like sin is like you you doing something to disqualify you from the race. But weight is like running, trying to run the race, but like wearing like a fur coat and like wet jeans on, right? It's like, it's just, you're just not going to be able to compete well, right? It may not, it might not necessarily be sin, but it's going to cause you to either move in the direction towards sin or it's going to keep you from keeping Jesus at the center of your life and following through and running this race with endurance. So I want to expand on this passage and bring to light some ways that we can help us run this race well and finish strong. Now, as we look at Hebrews 12, to lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely, what are we supposed to lay down? Right? What does the writer of Hebrews want us to lay down? And the simple, simple answer is sin. Right? Like if this was a VBS Sunday school class, uh, almost all the answer was like Jesus or sin, right? <laughs> like, what is this? Oh, sin. And, oh, you're right. Eh? And so that's right. You would be right if you answer sin. But I want to give you a holistic idea or a holistic view of the issues 
an, a holistic understanding of the things that impede and hinder us from running after God. Right. Yes, there's sin, but there's also things that will cling to us that causes us to, to just falter or causes, causes us to slow down or, or, or struggle in our walk with, in faith. And so I break up weight and sin into three categories, right? And there are three, these are not mutually exclusive, but are connected as layers upon each other, interacting in a way that keeps us from really being free to run this race, right? There's layers. Okay? And it's like, like, you know, running a race with layers of clothes on, right? In the winter, you guys all dress in layers, right? That's the smart thing to do. Right? In the winter, dress in layers. I have a long sleeve underneath this. I have this. I have a coat. You know, so if it gets hot, like, like a lot of times it does in Korea when you go indoors, not here because this place is cold, right? But when you go to like Shinsegae or when you go to like a restaurant, it gets hot, you can take off. But that's not, that's not the, that's not the idea when you're running a race, right? You don't want to have layers on when you're running a race. And I want to give you three layers of issues that weigh us down in running the race that we are on. And the first layer is the most obvious layer is sin, right? The sin issues in our lives. There are particular patterns of sin that we struggle with in our lives. As believers, we know that it's sin, but sometimes it just feels like it's ingrained into our DNA, into our understanding of ourselves, and it's something that we just can't get past. And if we want to run well, we have to deal with these sin issues. We have to lay them down. But so many times, we are so uh, uh, accused by Satan uh, about these sins, it's... It's thrown into our face and we feel so bad about them that we start living a life where we only just focus on not sinning. And we only focus on not sinning. If we don't mess up with a sin, we feel good. We feel close to God. We're good. Everything's good. I, I feel like I can approach God. But then when we mess up, it's bad. And we're bad. And God doesn't love us. And we feel far from God. And we withdraw and we isolate ourselves. Right. Our Bible readings and our prayer lives correlate with how we are doing regarding sin. Right? Or we just get numb and we get accustomed to that sin. So we're just saying, ah, this is just going to be something that's going to be a part of my life. So I'm just going to, just going to have to bear with it and just, you know. But if I look back in my life in the church, I grew up in the church from, you know, I, I was one of those kids that were, were, was like born my mom was a Christian when, when I was conceived, and so I've always kind of attended church growing up. There were so many times where the focus of my Christian identity was on sin, or whether I sin or not sin, right? Because that's how I was taught by my leaders when I was young. So much focus was landed upon sin, or whether we sin or whether we don't sin. And the way that we would see ourselves and the people around us was, was pertaining sin, right? It's like, oh, we're all sinners. We have to try not to sin. You know, look at those people. Look at, look at those, they're such sinners, right? Don't be like those girls, you know? Like, be good. Be a good girl. Or be a, not me, but be a good boy. Or, you know, don't be a, a, a kid that sins. And yes, we're supposed to resist and fight sin, right? This is a basic in the Christian tenet. We're supposed to resist and fight sin. That's something that we are commanded to do by the Bible. Jesus tells us, pray that you do not fall into temptation, right? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. James says it, Submit yourself to the Lord. Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. There's so much more to the Christian life than just resisting sin. Because you can actually go a long season of your life without actually committing a particular sin that you're struggling with. But that may not mean that you are doing well spiritually. I've had seasons like this where I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm victorious in this area of my life because I'm not sinning, but then, like, how am I doing spiritually? Like, I'm distracting myself with other things in my life. So, that, you know, I, because there are deeper areas that God wants to bring us into His light. He wants to heal us and He wants to reach us and connect with us on a deeper level. And true repentance is not just not sinning. A lot of people, we think of repentance as not sinning, it just it's not just turning away from sin and i know that's a, a lot of people give that uh, definition of repentance about t- is repentance is turning away from the sin no repentance is has less to do with turning away from sin but turning to god 
if you want to truly repent, right? You, you know, like there's a there's a lot of alcoholics that go to AA meetings that are repentant, quote unquote. If if repentant means you're turning away from sin, because they're not drinking, right? They're they're meeting every week, every sometimes every day, so that they do those steps. But true repentance isn't just turning away from the sin, but it's turning to God. When you turn to God and you face God, and you say, God, you're who I want, you're who I desire in my life. When you face God, you naturally turn away from sin. But so many times we see only the first layer, right? We just try to fix our first layer of sin. If I if I don't do this, you know, like I just have to deal with the sin and it's all good. If I don't do this, I'm all, I'm all good. I'm all a-okay. But then there's no facing God. There's no looking to God for strength and encouragement, looking to God for our identity and, 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 and who he, who he is to me and, and, and how he wants to transform me. But the Bible tells us, Hebrews tells us to lay aside every weight and sin. Because the sin that we allow in our lives usually stems from this next area of issues, this next layer of issues that we have, we deal with. So first is sin, right? And a lot of times we just, we just stay on that surface level. We're like, okay, I'm not sinning. I'm all good. Right? And we just, we're just playing around on that first level, right? You know, that's like the, the shallow end of the pool, right? We're just playing around. As long as I don't sin, I'm all good. But then there's a next deeper level that has to do with, with this weight that we need to get off of us. But that second layer is mind issues. Right? Sin issues come from our mind issues, our thinking patterns. The next layer of things in our lives that keeps us from running and finishing well are, is our thought life, our mind issues. These are issues in our thinking because before a sin becomes a sin, it's thought out in our mind. Right? As a matter of fact, Jesus says that we can even sin in our minds. But I say to you that anyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So, so much of our actions are determined by our thought life. That's why Paul tells us to not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. As Romans 12.2. Philippians 4.8 Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Right? Why? Because when you set your minds on things that are pure and righteous and good, right? That's that's the way that your your life is going to flow in that way. Colossians three two: Set your minds on things above and not on things that are on the earth. Right? Set set your minds on eternal things, not just the things. That are that are in this in this world. So so many times we stray from running the race well because we allow our minds to take us to places that we know that we shouldn't go. When our minds, you know, like we're, like we we kind of like you know we like oh I want to believe in Jesus I want to walk with Jesus I want to run with Jesus but then we're, we let our minds just like focus and wander all around the things of this earth things of this world and 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 we live in a society where. Where like technology has made everything available to us at the tip of our fingertips, right? It's just like everything and anything that we want to look at or hear, or it's just it's just right there. And so it's that much harder for us to keep our minds set on on the things of God and the things that God has for us. And in order for us to run well and finish strong, we have to govern our thought life and bring it into renewal and 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 and, and establish it in the things of God. We have to govern our minds, govern our thought life. When we become saved, our minds were not automatically redeemed. Right? It's not like when you got saved, you got downloaded a, like a brand new iOS, right? Not like, like you know, like when you got get in your iPhone, you get a new iOS, and all these, you know, like these things pop up, and you're like, whoa, my phone can do new things, right? It didn't happen to us when we were saved. When we were saved, that we're a new creation. Justification says that we are righteous. Before the Lord. That's just how God sees us. He justifies us. We're sinless. We're blameless. Because that's because of what Jesus did on the cross. But when it comes to sanctification. Is sanctification more about how we live. And you know how we walk our lives. We're still on the old software. Right? iOS. You know like. You know, one. Where 
we, we, we don't have a natural, like, you know, like, weight. It, it, it's not like we cannot sin in our, like, our minds and our, our hearts are not redeemed as soon as we become saved. It comes through us living it out and walking it out. We're still on the old IS. That's how we have to guard our minds. Second Corinthians 10.5 We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's, that's, that's keeping our minds obedient to Christ. That's, that's governing our thought life. And this is something that's so important for us believers. Where are your thoughts? You know, like, when we get married, when we, I mean, Mina got married, I realized there's so many, like, we can be in the same room, but I can be in a, somewhere completely different just in my thought, right? And we can we can be talking about something, but we can be talking about something completely different just because we have different thought patterns and we're in the way that we think. Our thought life is very powerful. Now, have you guys thought about what your thought life is bringing in into your into who you are? Right? One way that we can govern our minds is by removing distractions. What we hear, what we see has so much to do with what our minds dwell on, right? And just like an athlete disciplines oneself by dieting and eating well, we as spiritual beings can dis- discipline our minds by governing what we hear and what we see, what we allow into our minds to remain and, and to meditate on on things of God and things, the Word of God and the things of God. Because things that we allow into our minds to remain on it will eventually have an effect on and how we live our lives and also on the next layer. So the first layer is sin. That's the shallow end where all the kiddies play. As long as I don't sin, I'm all good. I'm righteous with God. And then we go a little bit to the deeper where you're like, this, this high, this is the mind where we're thinking what our thought processes are, right? And then the deep end of the pool is what I call the heart issues. The Bible tells us to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. The Hebrews have a holistic understanding of the word heart. According to the Hebrews, the heart is the center of who we are. It's considered the deepest part of our, our being. The center of our being is the seat of our consciousness, the seat of our identity, the seat, the representation seat of, of us as an individual and as a human being. And our heart issues have less to do with what we do and what we think and feel, but more to do with our identity of who we are. Right? It's that being part of our, our existence. Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there will there your heart will be also. Jesus tells us, in, um, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure of this produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Right? Now, a lot of our thinking, our sin patterns, are ultimately an overflow of our heart issues. So a lot of times, we, the, the way that we think, right, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a, a slant or it's like an overflow of what is being produced in our hearts. Because our heart supersedes our minds. Because we might know something is bad in our minds. I know that eating McDonald's every day is not good for me. I, I don't eat McDonald's every day, right? But I know that McDonald's is not good for me, right? But then it's my heart that when I drive by a McDonald's causes me to turn and go through that drive through right? It was my heart because I know how good it can be when I'm hungry. Our minds and our hearts are... are, are our, our heart supersedes our minds. Right? We can think something is good for us, but reject it in our hearts. So Proverbs tells us, guard your heart with all vigilance, for out of it flows your, the wellspring of life. Your heart produces, like if your life is like, if your, your heart is like a river that's flowing, right? That river, the source of that river is going to come from your heart. So protect it. Don't let any garbage in there because as soon as garbage gets in there, everything that flows out of your heart is going to be tainted by garbage. And our hearts are harder to control than our minds. And our will, it's like a, it's like a mystery. And it's because it's harder to control, we have to guard it. 
is when our hearts are no longer in the right place. Even if we want to follow God, even if we wanted to do the right thing, and even if we have this desire in our minds to like follow and be obedient to God, our hearts, right? Whatever is in our hearts is going to keep us from doing it. God loves us. We know in our minds God loves us, that He is for us. But but whatever is in our hearts, is going to, it's going to keep us from running to Him. Because, you know, something that may be affected in our heart. That's why we have to guard our hearts with all diligence. And their heart issues can be like deep. These people, right, have, have heart issues in, embedded into their, into their lives that are so deep that it actually establishes and it sets the tone of their identity, right? People, people have lies and deception about like who they are. Like some people, they, they might they might believe like, hey, you know, like, you know, they had somebody tell them all their life, hey, you're you, you're worthless. You're never gonna, you know, like people that I, I you know, like when I was when I, I you guys know my story, right? And I was in prison for four years, and I used to be with people that that um had like I was in this prison dorm, and this guy was released near the beginning of my sentence, and he came back like three months later after he was released, right? I remember, I forgot what his name was, but I remember him, he had this like, you know, he had this really weird, like, you know those waves, black people would have those waves in their hair, and he would like work, you know what I'm talking about? And he'd be working on him, you know, like, and, and then so like, we became good friends, and then he, he got released, he only had like six months, so he got released, and then like, three months later, he came back, and I saw him in the reception, and I was like, oh, what are you doing back? And he's like, hey, just, just, I just, just came back, you know, like, I'm just back, and it's because, in his mind, it's like him going in and out of prison is, 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 is it's just the way that he is, right? It's, it's, it's kind of ingrained into his heart that he, he can, he's, he's never going to be any better than that, right? Nobody has told him anything otherwise, right? That this is just his lot in life. I, I've seen a, a lot of guys that would get released and come back, like six months later, seven months later. It's because their identity is, even if they are free, they're not free. Even if they're out in the streets, they're still going to, Live the way that they're gonna live because that's feel they feel like that's all that they have in their life and so it's this identity heart issue of identity like hey I'm not there's nothing more that I can have in this world there's nothing more that I can like like this is just my lot in life fear issues right some of you guys have fear issues you guys some of I I'm one of those people sometimes I just have these like great like great I, anxiety just seizes me right a lot of times it's because I grew up with a mother. I had a lot of fear issues. She was a warrior. My mom was like the warrior. Whenever, like my mom one time got a check. You know, in America, a long time ago, we used to write checks. And then she, 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 there was this check that, that was written. And she, we got a, a statement back. And then it had some kind of like stamp in the back. And she thought that it was from like a bar. And that my dad had cashed it. And that my dad was having an affair. And so she stayed up all night and she was all freaked out. And then my dad came home and then he looked at the check and he's like, dude, you wrote this check. This is, this is, this is your name, right? This is from that one place you went to and you wrote them a check and they cashed it with this snap in the back, right? Well, my mom was such a warrior. She was such a, and so they kind of like rubbed up, rubbed up off on me. Some of you guys have fear issues because you guys grew up watching like horror movies, right? You guys have to understand that like spiritual things can latch on to you. Some of you guys, we went into the occultic when you were young. You guys went to fortune tellers and did all of these things. One of the ways that those like sins manifest in your life is through anxiety and fear. You know, shame issues. You know, shame isn't just like, like because we sin, but you know, like I know people that have shame issues that are so deep and it has nothing to do with what they did, but what was done to them. There, there are so many people that live with so much shame and when you really like, Get to know them and you, you work past all of the, the thing and you get to the place where they feel like comfortable enough to share and you realize that shame is coming not from something that they did, but it's something that was done to them. Right? Or offense, unforgiveness. Right? There's this, there's this comedian, uh, her, 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 her line became a meme and on all of the, like the TikTok and stuff and she's like, 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 when you, when you get angry at someone, like, anything that they, they do makes you angry. And she's like, look at that guy eating chicken, right? <laughs> Have you heard that, right? It's like, anything they do, look at that guy, why are you eating chicken, right? You know? But then, like, the thing is that we, sometimes we, you know, have you ever been looked at somebody and you're like, dude, I, like, you just, like, feel angry at that person, right? You're just like, what? 
I, I don't like the look of your face, right? I wonder why. And then you really trace that back. It's because this person offended you in some way, and you just haven't had a chance to process it and deal with it, you know? There, there, there's deep things in our hearts that can keep us from running the race well. Now, here's the thing with our hearts. The best way to guard our heart is to give it to the one that made it. The best person to guard your heart is God. And if your heart is broken, the best person to fix it is God. It's through surrender. You surrender your heart to God. And there are certain times where this is easy. And sometimes this is this can be really difficult. But there's deeper issues of fear and unforgiveness and shame and anxiety that you're having in your life. Uh, you might have to go through some healing and deliverance. And if you do have these things and you want to talk about them, please feel free to come and talk to me or Mina. We're nice people, right? We can help you kind of navigate these things. But the heart issues can really go deep. I know me and Mina, we both have healing and deliverance in our lives where we were actually really went deep. You know, when we were on staff, we had people come and kind of speak to us. And there's so many things I realized. The patterns in my life stems from like my trauma earlier when I was young, right? I have all this trauma from when I was young and my dad was alcoholic and my dad used to like, you know, just be a horrible human being, right? And then he changed. When he moved to America, he radically changed. Not because you know, of God or anything, but, you know, he was afraid of the police, right? He didn't want to, he didn't want to get caught by the police. And so he became like a, you know, he lived a good life. But from the, the early stages of my life, I remember these traumatic things that happened to me. And it, it like affects the way that I live my life out. A lot of that came from me dealing with it, coming to grips with it, asking for repentance, forgiveness and repenting and, and getting those, that things to like let go. And so, you know, we have to deal with our heart issues. But ultimately, it's giving your heart to God. Opening your hearts to God. Here's, here's, the, here's one thing that will help you in this, is vulnerability. You have to be vulnerable with God. Alright, let, let God into those areas of your heart that need, that you need dealt with. Fear, offense, shame, your identity, your heart. He made your heart so He can fix it. Now, Here's some advice, and I'll end with this, on truly laying aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. The first advice that I'll give you is you have to hit all three levels. We can't just deal with our sin issues. Because there's a source to our sin issues, and it's usually stemming from our mind issues and our heart issues. The way we think and, and, and the deeper things in our hearts. We have to go about it a holistic renewal of ourselves. Because if we focus just on the sin issues, it's like coming home, smelling like poo, taking off your clothes, washing it, going into the shower, taking a bath, and then next day you go to work, you come back, and you still smell like poo. And you're like, why do I smell like poo? And you do that over and over again. You wash yourself, you wash your clothes, you do everything, and then and then you go back to work, come back, and you smell like poo. And you're like, what's going on? And you fail to realize is that that it's not you that smell, but it's it's that on your way home, you it gets dark and you pass through a park. And you walk through a park and you realize, you don't realize that it's a dog park and there's dog poop everywhere, right? So every time you walk home, you're walking through that park and you're stepping in dog poo and you get home and you think that you smell like poo. But no, it's the poo that is on your shoe, right? But this is the way that we deal. Whenever we're just dealing with the surface issue of our sins, we try to get ourselves all cleaned up. And then after a while, we still feel like poo. We still feel bad. We still get into the things of our sin because we haven't dealt with the deeper issues in our hearts, right? You haven't gone, you haven't realized that you're walking through a dog park and maybe you should change a route and go a different way so that you don't step on poo on your way home, right? But that, 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 that's what we have to do with, with our sin issues. We can't just tackle the sin issues. You can't just try to not to sin. But you have to go deeper. You have to go and deal with your mind. Like deal with your thought life, you know. Like give it to the Lord. Dwell on the things of God. Read the Word of God. Spend time in prayer. Meditate on the Word of God. You know, worship in worship songs and try to get your mind to, to geared in a way where you're facing God. And then go into the deeper things of your heart where you're dealing with your trauma, dealing with things in your heart where like like issues that you have. Like why do I why do I feel this way? And t- give it to the Lord. And give it to the Lord. And say, God, why do I feel anxious? Why do I feel fearful? Why do I feel shame? Why do I feel this way? And, and as you tackle the deeper heart issues, you'll be able to realize, hey, 
Like it, it, you get, you'll get weights lifted off of you. One of the, the craziest thing that happened to me is when I told my testimony at church. Uh, you guys might have heard my stories that I was like, had this big secret at church a long time ago where nobody knew that I had gone to prison, none, none of that stuff, right? Now one day I felt like, oh, I should tell my testimony. So I told the pastor, he let me tell it. And as soon as I told my testimony I, and everybody found out, I just felt like there's literally weights being taken off my body. That's what it felt like. I felt so like, oh, I felt so free, right? But that, that's how God wants us to live our lives. He wants us to live in true freedom. But it, it, it's not going to happen if we just focus on the sin pattern. If we just focus, like, if I, as long as, as long as I don't do this, I'm all good. No. If you don't do that, you're just not doing that. You're not all good. You have to face God and you have to look to Him and you have to have Him come and just like, you know, radically change, transform you, renewal of your mind and transformation of your heart. That's what God wants. That's what He wants to do. And it requires vulnerability. You have to be like, God, Change everything about me. I surrender everything that I am to you. It requires surrender. So we have to hit all three levels. The sin issues, the mind issues, and the heart issues. And then the second thing is, is, is my last point is laying aside must be intentional. The word lay aside, to, to lay aside is taken from the Greek word apotithemi. Apotithemi. And it's a compound word of apo and tithemi, right? Now the word apo means away, like away. means like apo means like far and away. And the word tithemi means to place or lay something down. And so these two, two words together gives a picture of someone who is laying something down while at the same time pushing far, it far away, right? It means laying something down and pushing it far away beyond your reach Thus, this word implies a deliberate decision to make a permanent change of attitude and behavior, laying aside the weight intentionally and pushing it away. It needs to be deliberate. It has to be a deliberate decision that you make to remove certain things from your life. Sin doesn't just go away. If you think sin just goes away, you're mistaken. Wrong thinking and attitude doesn't just mysteriously change on its own. If you're racist, you're gonna be racist until you confront it, right? Like we we have parents that are super racist, right? Me and Mina, right? And it's because nobody confronted them on it, right? It's like my parents are going through it now. Like my sister's trying to teach them that kind of mindset is kind of racist, right? But then, like like if you have a wrong thinking, if you feel if you feel like you're not you're not worthy, or if you feel like you know like you're worthless, no, that's not gonna change until you confront it, until you say, hey. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take my, I'm gonna like make a deliberate, intentional decision to go about changing the way that I feel about myself. It has to be intentional action of removing it from our lives, not just on the surface, but going deep into our minds and in our hearts, and and, and transforming, and being transformed by God. God wants us to not live in our, not have sin in our lives. He wants us to have the right mindset. Right thinking, and he wants us to have the right heart, but he he's not going to force us into these things. God's not going to make us do anything. Now, now there are times of grace where avoiding sin and having the right mindset and attitude comes in very easy. Like I've gone to seasons where just I was on just fire for God, or just like. I just felt like, you know, like God was with me so close and like, you know, I was just like growing and, and accelerating so fast where just like, I just felt like, oh, like God is like right here and I'm, it's just me and you, God, and everything that I like, you know, like it, it just, life just was so easy. But then those are seasons of grace where God is just like pouring out grace upon you, but he's not doing it for you. In the end, it's all decisions and choices that we have to make. It's our intentionality that removes the weight and the sin patterns in our lives. Now, I'm talking about removing wages of sin, right? That's not what I'm talking about. The wages of sin that Jesus goes away because of what Jesus did on the cross, right? The wages of sins is, is, is based on what Jesus did, forgiveness of our sins, based on the cross and the blood that he shed. But the patterns of sin that we allow into our lives, we have to fight to remove it. That, that's on us. 
He removes the wages of sins, but the pattern of sin and the thinking that we have that we have in our lives, we, we have to intentionally go and try to remove it from our lives. God empowers us, but it comes through our decision to lay things down. He can't empower our hands if we keep holding on to poop. Right? If we're continually walking through that park every day, stepping on poop, uh, we can try to wash ourselves as much as we can. We can just try to get clean, you know, take a bath in bleach, you know, like wash our clothes with bleach. But it, 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 if we're walking through that park every day, it's just, it's just, we're always going to have that, that scent. It, it requires deliberate and, and intentional changing of our minds and our hearts. God, it's like an athlete doesn't lose weight by accident. Right? I don't know anybody that lost weight by accident. Some really lucky people do. We hate those people. They're like, well, I don't know. I just lost five pounds. I don't know why. They're like, shut up. You know, like. But but no one really loses weight accidentally. He doesn't become strong and lean like a like an Olympic person, like a competitor. Over like it doesn't happen accidentally. It doesn't happen overnight, right? It requires work. It requires us taking that intentional step and saying, Dude, I want to change the way I'm thinking. I want to change my thought patterns. I want to change. Yes, God's grace is there. I'm not trying to remove God's grace. But it starts with the decision that we make to want to be transformed. If we truly have a desire, God will be there in our desire. But it requires us to make that deliberate step. We need to deliberately work and train and get our bodies ready and in tune to compete at that highest level. If we're like a, a, a Olympic athlete, right? They train like crazy. I remember like Michael Phelps? He used to like swim like 40 hours. Like I don't know, not 40 hours. It's not 40 hours in a day. But he, he, he would train like 12 hours or something like some ridiculous amount a day. And he would eat like a ridiculous amount of food, right? Because he's like working off so much of this in the pool. But it, that's what it requires for athletes to perform at that level and and in our spiritual lives it's the same way if we really want to run this race the way that god wants us to run this race we have to be intentional we have to drop some of the things that we're carrying and holding on to and we got to get our lives and get our hearts in tune our minds in tune and facing god in the right way that's what hebrew 12 is talking about here when he says to lay aside every weight and sin if we're going to finish strong we have to want it right we have to want to remove the things that we need to remove. We want to, we want to want to remove the hindrances that we want to get past and, and go after God. And as we lay it down and push it far away from us, God empowers us to walk in victory. Right? If we want to walk in that grace that God has for us, it first starts with that decision of saying, God, I want to take this and I want to remove it far from me. Help me to do it. Right? And, and, as soon as you start to take the action of, of doing so, right, God starts to empower us by His Spirit. He empowers us, but He also doesn't run for us. Right? And that's why I always, you know, like, you know that, that picture where the, the footprints in the sand and talks about like, oh, that's the, the, this is when God was carrying you. I believe that, you know, like God is always with us, but He's never going to run for us. He's, he's never gonna like, he's never gonna like remove sin for us. That's, that's the thing, right? We, we might want him to. There's times where I just want God, just can you just take this away from me? But then you know what? It's just gonna always come back. But when true transformation happens is when we say, God, I need you. I need your grace to do this. I need your grace to move past this. I need you to grace to transform my mind. I need your grace to transform my heart. And I'm going to make this tangible step and I'm going to start to walk in this process. And as you do so, God empowers you to walk and run and endure and release and let go of that weight so you can run this race. You know, 2022, I believe, is going to be, this is just for me personally, it's going to be a very testing year for me. And there's things that God wants me to let go of. There's things that God wants me to to push through. There's barriers that God wants me to break through. And and there's times where I just want to say, God, can you just do it for me? Uh, you can do this. If you just snap your fingers, it'll just happen. 
but then God tells me, hey, I want you to go through this because ultimately it's going to make you a, it's going to make you stronger. It's going to make you wiser. It's going to make you, you know, just you're going to know me in a deeper level by walking this out in your life. That's that's what I pray that will be 2022 for you guys. I'm not praying that you guys have obstacles and trials in your life, okay? But I'm praying that when those obstacles and trials come, and you know what? They will come because the Bible tells us that we will have tribulation. We will have trials. We will have suffering. That you guys will be able to let go of the weight, let go of the sin, trust God, and take those steps and move to a place where you're walking and running the race that is set before you. Let's all stand up. Let's close our time with prayer. Father God, I just thank you for always empowering us and equipping us and and transforming us, Lord. And we know, Lord, ultimately, whatever transformation that ha- that happens in our lives is by your Spirit, Lord. But we also know that you require us to take those steps of faith. You require us to make those, to, to let go and to, to release and to lay aside the weight, to lay aside the sins, to lay aside those obstacles, lay aside those things that hinder us from us completely facing you. So I pray for each and every one of us as we look forward to this upcoming year of 2022. Or may we be people that will let go of the weight and sin that cling so closely, that we can be people that run this race with endurance and perseverance, looking to you, Jesus Christ, as the author and perfecter of our faith. We thank you, Lord, that you are always with us, that you say that nothing in this world, in heaven, on earth, and in, in, in any place in all of 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 history and in the universe can separate us from your love. So Lord, may we be people that truly understand your love and that run this race and endure this race. But ultimately, you are our prize. And we thank you, Lord.